This week's episode touches on subjects like self-mutilation, sexual abuse, and gross neglect of the elderly. It may not be suitable for all listeners. But for those of you who are still with us, ready player one, let the games begin. Welcome to Monsters of the Midwest, a podcast that funds not only abortions, but ensures the women's right to choose. A podcast that recently donated to the reproductive health care and human rights of the women that are residing in the Midwest currently. To help out the women in the Midwest, contact the Agnes Reynolds Jackson Fund, and we will supply the contact info in our show notes. Welcome back to Monsters of the Midwest. Obviously, women's rights. We are women. Here we are. So we definitely will link the website, you know, the contact information, the P.O. box for all your, um, you know, all the info for the Agnes Reynold Jackson Fund in our show notes. And we're, we're probably going to post it on social media, too. So we wanted to let you guys know that we support you. Yes, absolutely. And And you know us, we we hate to take it political, but I just felt like in the political climate that we're in, it needed to be fucking said, damn it. You know, Uh, it was a sad day Mm -hmm. for anybody with uh, fucking ovaries or any women. uh, uh, Fuck the Supreme Court. That's all I'm saying. We've all seen it. We've all heard it. Uh, You you heard it here from me. Fuck the Supreme Court. But... Uh, given that climate and given like everything that we're going through and also the monstrosity of the case that I brought you guys last time, Ooh, uh, yes, I felt like we needed a little palate cleanser, you know, we need a little comedy in our life cause that's what you and I like to bring <laughs> to people, you know? So this case a is, little bit, it touches on a, a few subjects, like I said in the beginning, but I'm going to try and take it uh, a little lighter route you know we're gonna water it down a little bit you know uh you don't have to worry about fucking seasoning up uh organs on the barbecue we're just gonna Jeez, no thank yes. you please yes so uh let's dive right in even so like you guys are hearing this in july obviously I couldn't go through all of Pride Month being a flaming homosexual and not <laughs> give you guys a fucking case with some dyke drama in it. I mean, I can't like, you know, I just can't do it. Right. Yeah. Here we go. However, <laughs> however, I told y'all I was fucking done with Michigan. We weren't going to go in Michigan anymore. We weren't doing that Lies. shit. Right. But you guys all know gas prices are fucking outrageous right now. Like... You know, all my fellow dykes out there know we we just we love a gas guzzling SUV. We love something that can put, you know, we can pack it up like a U-Haul and and take it on to our next venture. So gas prices are really killing us right now. So we got to make a little tiny pit stop to gas up the gas up the U-Haul or gas up the SUV. Okay, so we went from the UP in Michigan and we're making a little pit stop in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. yeah. I know that place. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> our case takes place in 1987 when... Uh, Ooh, I wasn't born yet. Yeah. So I was, uh, God, preschool? Like, not even... I mean, I went kindergarten in 89. But anyways, um, these two <laughs> these two saucy dames crossed paths in a little suburb of Grand Rapids called Walker, Michigan. Never been there. Didn't see much on the map okay. when I looked it up. But, you know, at least you know demographics. So let me, let's get our paints. We're going to paint a picture. Let's bring back some little 80s nostalgia real quick to kind of see where we're at, you know, because our last case was pretty recent. So this is a little bit back in time. So Reagan was the president at this point. Um, The number one billboard song was Whitney Houston's I want to dance with somebody, which feel like oh, that. Damn. Which I feel like that goes great with a gay case. Seriously, it does. Um, <sighs> also, the number two song was uh, George Michael's "Faith." Although I prefer Ooh, yeah. the Limp Biscuit like version. You know, I mean, hey, also a gay uh, thing for this time. 
It's iconic. It's iconic <laughs> as fuck. Right. Yes. Don't at, don't at me on social media with that one. Don't at me. But <laughs> um, also, sadly enough, we are drowning in the fucking AIDS epidemic at this point. Like 87. Right. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. You know, and that whole epidemic was super unpublicized. It was very like, this was a very gay time for everybody. But it also was super tragic because all that was being publicized was the shitty things. Like we weren't celebrating like the the happy yep. stuff. We weren't celebrating the music. We weren't celebrating culture. Nothing like that. So it was, a, you know, a very big time of like closeted Midwestern folks. So that's that's where oh, we're at yeah. for this time. Absolutely that. So I'm going to kind of change courses here and talk about the uh, location of where these crimes took place, which is a place mm -hmm. called Al Alpine Manor. And it was a extremely well-respected Alzheimer's facility in Walker, Michigan. Okay, so this is like a highly... I mean, if Yelp was a thing then, the Yelp reviews would have been positive as fuck. Everybody loved it. This is where they're sending their parents or their elderly, oh. their their friends, family, whatever. This was a good place that was highly renowned at the time. That Like, these people okay. care about the patients. They give good health care. Like, ev everything. Like, I mean, there was nothing negative literally at this time to say about this. So, oh, wow. And right, which is almost fucking unheard of at this point. Like when you look into exactly. facilities, especially Alzheimer's facilities, let's be honest, we can't get good help anywhere at these point, like in this day and age. But at this time, <laughs> you could, and this was a good spot. This was affordable. It was great. People cared. It was phenomenal. Okay. It's so. tricky, uh, an Alzheimer's place, though, because, like, you know, think about it like this the, these patients have Alzheimer's. How do you know that? If they were abused, if what they're saying is true. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, that's difficult. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. Um, mm -mm. Right. So this was a place, like, people felt safe to take their family and, and let them reside mm -hmm. there, you know, that they were going to be in good care. Um, so in the summer of 1985, a patient by the name of Marguerite Summers was brought to the Alpine Manor by her daughter and... <sighs> Her daughter didn't really want to bring her there, but due to the like intensity of her illness, uh, it was she needed assistance that unfortunately her daughter couldn't provide. Because like this, I mean, this is the late '80s. This is when like there was two like women were in the workforce. Women were like you know the powerhouses. They were like wearing suits and shit and being out. You know what I mean? They yeah. were you know oh yeah bringing in the money, and that was a, a super like empowering time for women to be in the workforce so it really it really was yeah, so no more like Susie homemaker right. days those days are over right. yeah and so you know it was with a lot of like strife that her daughter was like oh my god I don't want to put my mom in a home but like she deserves more care than I can give her this is beyond you know my knowledge of you know this type of care she needs to be with professionals you know that can give her what yep. she needs so um, yep. She visited multiple places and finally decided, okay, Alpine is for me. And of course, like they painted the picture for her that this is, you know, a great place her mom's going to be taken care of. And she felt a lot of comfort in bringing her mom there. Um, okay. Her, her last name is uh, Henderson. So I'm going to refer to her as Ms. Henderson at this point, her daughter. Okay. Um, Marguerite's daughter. So during the visit, uh, the final visit after doing multiple phone interviews and like kind of little interviews whatsoever. Mrs. Henderson noticed that she had had a lot of positive things. And then she came back, like it was less than a week later, but it's kind of like, you know, I got to check up on my mom, make sure she's cool, you know, whatever. And it was during this visit, this next one that she noticed like some kind of dirt or debris in her mom's face. And she was like, Wait a minute. What? Oh, wait a minute. You guys said all this was going to go good. Now I came here and she's got like, I don't want you guys to jump and think that she's a total, uh, in Gen Z terms, a Karen. Um, because she's <sighs> not. She's just really concerned with the fact that you guys painted this to be a perfect place. And now my mom doesn't seem to be, in my eyes, perfectly taken care of, which I can understand. Like, right. it's a whole nother thing when you're putting a loved one in there when you didn't want to do it. So you have that own self-guilt. And then to put them in there and see something, you know, a little disarray, I mean, which may not look like a lot to a lot of people, it's a lot to you. And that's valid, you know? Um, right. 
Right. Yeah. I would feel that way too. Though. Yeah. For if sure. If I went to visit and, and my mom wasn't clean or anything like. Right. Mm, At least you would bring I'm up. feeling. The question. I'm feeling of, a little duped. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of what she was going through. Like she, she felt, you know all that like self-hatred for having to do this to her mom. And then she put there and then she's like, oh my God, like she's not being as, as well taken care of as I could do at home. You know, it's not up to the standard. Mm -hmm. So, so she wasn't like angry towards the facility or anything, but she was starting to ask her mom some questions and knowing her mom's like mental state at that point, like she didn't really expect like a full spectrum of let me just tell you what happened type thing. Um, but she was wiping her mom's mouth and like saying, Hey, you know, I, like feeling that guilt, like saying, I'm so sorry that you're here, you know? And, and through her eyes, she saw her mom, like looking at her, like, why the fuck did you do this to me? Why did you abandon me? And it just kind of triggered a lot oh, of like mental no. health things. Yeah. So it was, it was kind uh, of a touchy situation. Yeah. But, but then, you know, she went and, and she's like, it's okay. Mom. Like, she felt terrible walking in. And then she was like, you know, let me clean you up, Mom. Like, this and that. And it was kind of looking around her room. And nothing felt array in her room. Like, nothing. It was just that she had a little bit of dirt on her face. And, but that really, you know, triggered a lot of things for her. And that's super valid. Um, mm -hmm. But when she went to go wipe it off with a washcloth, uh, Marguerite went what was put in publications, the word crazy. I hate to word, use that word, but that was the word that was used flailing her arms back and forth, yelling, screaming bloody murder, damn near losing her mind and her breath, screaming. Her eyes were super glazed over and su and her daughter said they were dilated and they, they like, her whole body trembled in fear from just her trying to clean oh, up no. that spot on her face. What? That's crazy. So, but you know what? People with Alzheimer's though, I, I want it, to surprise me more, but some people get violent. And I mean, my aunt was a case, my great aunt. She was violent to the point where they had to put her like in her own little room by herself and they checked on her so often and it was really rough. So I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised if that makes sense. Right. And I mean, I don't have a super good background with Alzheimer's. Um, my good mm -hmm. friend growing up, she worked as a nurse's aide in multiple Alzheimer's units. And she told me the same type of story. Like, this is how right. they get, you know, it, it is, you know, something, Sometimes. something, you know, you can't really expect. There's like a spectrum of what might happen and you really cannot yeah. expect what is going to happen on that spectrum. But something definitely is. So, you know, Miss Hunterman, she is a little freaked out, but then she tries to calm herself down like, oh my gosh, is they told me this was kind of going to happen. Is this because I'm guilty, feeling guilty? You know, like those mental gymnastics, like as anybody would. Yeah. With their right. mom being in a home, basically. Um, mm -hmm. But nevertheless, she reports the incident uh, to multiple nurses that were there on staff at the time. And, you know, a couple, she did it to a couple. Like, she basically told everybody she saw leaving, like, trying to validate her feelings like is this okay is my mom okay like you know what i mean like everybody needs validation right. especially if you don't know what to expect right that's i right. did that when my dad was in hospice because i had no idea what to expect like what are the stages what what should i expect when i come here next time you know like you always and you ask everybody it's like instinct oh well she's not giving me the answer i want so i'm going to ask this person and see if they give me another answer and i feel like that's like going through like grief things like that that's like the standard like you want yes. you want yes. you want validation in like this isn't as bad. Maybe this isn't as bad as what I, I'm thinking it is, but also kind of in your gut, you know it. I don't know. There's lots of different er yep. eras of validation and all of them are great and they're needed. Um, so she was kind of searching for that. Like, just like you said, she was asking a bunch of people trying to get the answer. She didn't get the answer that she sought out to get. Um, okay. But she kind of got a collective answer that this is a great place. We promise we're doing whatever we can. We're so like, they told her, we're like, you know, we're so sorry that this happened. I don't know why that happened, but sometimes with this, you know, progression, it does happen. And we're sorry. It scared you. I mean, sh they were great on their end. Yeah. Like helping her feel more comfortable with the situation. Um, and try to ensure her that that's, her mother was good, in the best though. care. Right. But unfortunately, not even two years later, on Jan in the month of January of 1987, Marguerite passed away. Um, oh, no. 
Right. So before I go deeper in to the game that is about to be played, I think we Ooh. should choose our fighters. So let's choose our fighters. Oh, my God. Okay. Enter player number one, Kathy Wood. She is a Pisces. Um, she was born in 1962 in, into a very, in March of 1962, a very, very abusive home. Uh, uh -oh. yeah, a really, I am not even going to include everything on here, but she was born to a very fucking abusive home. Things were so fucking bad that she went out and found herself a nice little salty morsel of a boyfriend and got knocked up at 17. Not because she wanted a kid, not because, uh, she loved this person or even remotely liked them just for the sole reason that this gave her an option to get married and get the fuck out of her house. That was it. Oh, only. Wow. Yeah, she wanted to get the fuck away from everything that she had to do with her childhood. And this was her escape route. Okay. However. Okay. In many interviews, I, I'm telling you ahead of time, guys, I went through 20, 30 articles of interviews. I watched, uh, I couldn't find a lot um, to where they were visual, to where they were recorded interviews with these uh, players in the game. But there was lots of documentation, like court case documentation um, that was written out. So I read through all that, okay. of course, as I do. Uh, <laughs> right. Because yes. I just have to. Um, you fucking do. Right. Um, <laughs> but in multiple of these interviews... There, her husband or ex-husband at this time, his name was Ken. He came forward and was very helpful on, you know, talking about his wife. And that was the guy that she got pregnant by, um, married at 17. Um, and he was, for the most part, very respectful. But one of the things that really made him super emotional, which he didn't seem to be like an emotional type, at least via um, what I read. So I don't know, you know, whatever. I couldn't see his mannerisms. But... Oh. that he kept saying that Kathy, he, he was ensured the fact that, like, Kathy did not want that baby. She did not want to be a mother, that it was definitely her ticket out of her household. Um, she even resented the fact that she had to take up her time in her life to take care of this child that she brought into the world. And that bothered the <laughs> fuck out of him. He hated that. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I would, too. Yeah. Like, Literally, you, your body made this and you're just <laughs> not only excuse fact, me while I just get upset for no, but like, wow. Right. And, um, like Ken also said, like, he painted a big picture that she told him, you know, she painted this whole song and dance like, oh, we're going to be happy. I want to have a kid and start a family and blah, blah, blah. But it was all bullshit. And he sure. was. You know, I mean, he was a young dude at the time. He was very hurt as well. They went to school together. They're both like 17, 18. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he gave up his entire world for the daughter that they brought into the world. And oh, yeah. To find out that she's, I mean, there's lots of fucking teenage hormones going on at that point. And to find out that like she flips a script and like this, I mean, that's got to be like really fucking damaging. So he, yes. so he, yeah. uh, for anybody. Yeah. And so his, he always said like throughout all the interviews, all the things that I read that, um, he was doing this for his daughter because it's not his daughter's fault. And so he's going to be open and honest as he can to paint this Thank story you. because, you know, look at that guys. There's a good fucking dude out there. See, they're out there. You guys, I, <laughs> they're I, out there. They're out there. So back to where they're at at this point, Kathy finds herself in such a miserable state like she tried to escape this childhood trauma and just shoved herself deep into another thing that she considers trauma so she now she's a mom now she can't right. be herself you know she tried to escape and now she's deep into a different situation smart smart move i all Good job here's where i failed <laughs> here's where i fail all my uh astro hoes out there I dove so deep into find their fucking birth times and I could not find them. So I could not run their chart <laughs> like I wanted to because uh, they're because there is so many vibes that I get from them. Like this next part that was uh, quintessential in her life is very much Taurus, Taurus moon vibe, Taurus, Mars or Venus. OK, because she eats herself almost to death um, to deal with her feelings. She eats her feelings 100 um, percent. 
Oh, yeah. So, Snacking. Snack attacks. She balloons from, and, and all her life, she was a very small girl. Um, her max weight, I mean, and we also all know how it is to be a teenager, 17, 18, and you're smaller than what you are after you become an adult, let alone have kids. She, like, yep. you know, was soaking wet, like, 140 at her very much max. She ballooned okay. in the matter of three years, 450 pounds. So, Oof. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Pretty, a lot, uh, lot going yeah. on there. Um, <laughs> yes, there is. So emotional eating is horrible, man. And I'm one that suffers with that. Like, and I have a lot of tourist placements. I, I get that. Like you find your solid, like solidarity, your comfort in eating food and making yourself feel comfortable in the things that make you feel comfortable. Like when your mental health is suffering. So I, uh, that's why it bothers me. I couldn't yeah. find her birth stuff because I'm like, I swear to God, our charts, we got some similar placements there because I feel that pain, sis. I get it. Um, uh, uh, uh. You know, I, I know what it's like. Like, I, I cannot connect with people that are in this is this is going to come out really sick. But like the people that uh, when their mental health suffers, they're unable to eat because I, I can't even... Um, get I'm on like that, that same page because I am the opposite because, you know, and it was really sad, like growing up or even now as an adult, uh, be wishing in my head when, you know, my mental health is suffering, like wishing like, Oh my God, I wish I could be like that, which that's not safe either. That's not healthy or good. No, it's, it's not, it's really not, but I, I suffer from that. But I feel like collectively as people, I mean, this stuff is normal. I mean, it's unfortunately normal and it's stuff we all go through. And I think it's important we talk about it. And, you know, it, it's part of healing. Yeah. Um, but right. anyways, her her comfort of choice was food. And she balloons up to 450 pounds. And she eventually finds herself feeling super alone. Um, she has no friends. And the whole... Mm. Everything causes her to go through a divorce after seven years of being with Ken. So after she gets divorced, uh, she runs away. And why the fuck she ran to Grand Rapids, Michigan? I have no fucking clue. But that's where she decided to go because that's where <laughs> dreams are made of. And oh, she, it, absolutely. But absolutely. as a positive thing in her life, she actually lands a really good job there. Ken told her, oh, you, cool. you know, you like taking care of people, you know, and he did everything to try and boost her mental health to try and like get her to be, you know, at this point, a decent fucking mother to their child. And so she took that and ran with it, literally ran with that to the fucking Midwest and was like, OK, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity and he was all supportive of it he goes you know what I think that's going to be great for you because you're going to be able to taking care of other people you're going to do what you love and he's like you know what I feel like that's going to ignite a passion in her that's going to bring her to a better state of mental health good for you Ken oh, I love well, that that's great that is great yeah I appreciate you Ken right I, I do too so now we're going to talk about player number two enter player number two we're going to talk okay. about a Leo named Gwendolyn Graham, born August 6, 1963, in California. All right. Sally Gwendolyn. Yes. That sounds, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. So her, oh, her parents believed that physical tension and even literally holding their children would make them weak. And it would make them um, suffer oh. from emotional things that normal people, quote unquote, normal people wouldn't have to suffer from. So Gwen was raised without any amount of attention uh, throughout all of her formative years. There was no hugging. There was no kissing. There was no. Um, what? I'm, That's so sad. I'm proud of you. There was literally no like holding the baby outside of the other than like feeding them. You know, they were like. What? Yeah. That is bizarre. Yeah, it is very bizarre. So. I, I will make it very detached, very detached. So I will make it. And for a Leo, that's not good. That's not good mm -hmm. for anybody that knows anything about Leos. They love that. It's, they strive off that attention. I mean, whether it be negative Aww, yeah. or and like I said, disclaimer. Also, I only know their sun signs. I know shitty astro ho over here. I get it. OK, so I'm just going to judge things by that. Um, shame on you. I know. Shame on me. Uh <laughs> Shame on my internet skills. I can't believe I fucking couldn't find their birth times. But anyways. <laughs> 
Um, so Gwen was raised with without any type of attention, all that, you know. However, yeah. when she later on, obviously, becomes incarcerated, she just decides to talk all about um, her home life at the, at the beginning. So she accused her father of not only sexually abusing her, but physically abusing her um, and her brothers. However, mm. I could not find legal standing that this was true and there was no charges ever made. So it was never legally proven. I'm not saying that's invalid. I'm just letting you guys know factually that's where it was. Okay. So it's like uh, this happened in my family and that was that. Right. So we don't really know if it's an escape go okay. or if it's like it actually happened. You know, I mean, you can decide. Right. So in order for Gwen to deal with this pain, she turns to self-mutilation. She turns to cutting herself and burning herself with cigarettes that she found that her parents were both smokers. So she would relight them and burn herself. I also found a police report that said um, when this was a police report that was brought upon by her, her older brother who actually committed this, whatever. It was kind of like lax, but this was before she was 12 years old. She oh. she found comfort and solace in the puppy that she found that was a stray dog that came up. They at this point they live on a farm in Texas. So they were they moved around oh, a lot. Okay, okay. And the um her dad came from farmers, so they moved to Texas. I forgot to mention that earlier. But they moved to a farm in Texas. They raised a lot of horses, a lot of animals. It was that type of farm. Um Okay. But they ended up finding, she ended up finding, like, while she was tending to the horses, a stray dog, which she connected with immensely. Like, she, that dog was giving her the attention mm. she wanted. She, it was something that could right. love, she loved it, loved her back. You know, it was a huge thing. So her dad did not like the fact that when she, Gwen let the dog out in the morning, I guess it scared a couple of the horses. And it cost, somehow, monetarily, it cost a, a sale for him with these horses that he was trying to sell to a potential buyer. I don't really know. Oh. Yeah, I couldn't find like what type. I don't know if he like raised <laughs> horses to sell them off to like racers. I have no fucking clue. Y'all can look that up if you want to. Oh. Regardless, right. the dog was barking at what the dad claims was the actual horses spooked them so they looked unworthy to purchase. It pissed the dad off. So, not Uh-oh. not very long after, the brother that made these um, claims to the police uh, was told that he had to kill the dog. He mm, no. But because they knew Gwen was so attached, they told Gwen the dog ran away. So Gwen Aww. was absolutely don't fuck, they always right was absolutely beside herself and literally did not remove herself. She went to school. She came home and she bawled her eyes out for months and sat in her room and just mm, would not no. like she was just beside herself. Um, yeah. Eventually, her brother felt really, really bad and told her the truth about what happened. Hey, this is what happened. I'm really sorry. I and her brother had every intention of just like trying to help her heal through the situation. And okay. Gwen says, I need to know where he's buried. Where is my dog buried at? So the brother felt bad and went and took her to where it was buried. Shockingly enough to everybody, she removed the skeletal body from the grave that, that the brother had buried it in. And with pliers, removed every single teeth like from the skeleton and put them in a heart-shaped Ew. box that she kept in her room. What? Well, uh, that's weird. Yeah. So not surprising to us. uh, She was shockingly enough diagnosed with borderline personality disorder with multiple psychopathic Uh. traits shortly thereafter. Um, Yeah, that uh, that probably spooked a couple people. So, yeah, I'd say. So uh, multiple things were written in to the uh, psychiatrist from her teachers saying that, like, She's super respectful. She always turns her homework on time. She's very intelligent. However, she's visibly sad 100% of the time. So no, there's no, that. Right. Not sad all the time. So to escape her sadness and childhood trauma, she says, fuck Texas and finds herself going away where things might be happy in her early to mid 20s. And she eventually lands herself a great fucking paying job at Alpine Manor in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Walker, Michigan. 
And okay. her immediate supervisor, none other than Kathy Woods. So, oh, so now they work at the same place. Yes. And hand in hand, you know. So when Kathy yeah, first exactly. Yeah, when Kathy first started at Alpine, she connected I'm going to kind of jump around here, but I I think you guys will get where I'm going. So when Kathy first we're going to kind of jump back to when Kathy started. So when Kathy first started to at Alpine, she connected instantly with a group of lesbians. And as, you know, we know in the 80s that was not a super out like hey, you know, we're we're here and we're queer and it's all great. So it was kind of like an yes, underground it was thing. hush. Yeah, very hush. Yeah. Um, so although at this point she wasn't like identifying as anything but straight, she very much identified with the struggles that the women would talk about. And they talked about what they had to face growing up and like, you know, their traumas and this and that. And she identified really closely with that. And she developed a really close kinship with all these women in this group. And they happily accepted her. They were like, oh, my God, yeah, you know, recruit, recruit, um, rainbow recruiters. I'm just going to say that. Um, and also, Is that a thing? Is that a thing? It is. And I'm going to lay down a couple of really asshole comments throughout this case just to let you know. But um, as a member of the community, I feel like I'm allowed. So, I mean, <laughs> okay. if y'all want to come for me again. However, okay, so they're they're happily to they're happy, happily accept, like accepting her in this little uh group of friends here um yeah so they started you know hitting the bars and going out and all this stuff and you know now she's got real friends quote unquote she's got people that are around her uh yeah she was like holy shit they're lifting me out of this downward spiral you know they're making me forget about my disappointment of my home life my disconnection to my daughter and now she's starting to feel those like confusion feelings of, you know, there's there's love and there's lust for other women. And she's never felt that before. But they were, you know, oh, OK, this pack was happy to help her, you know, move on through that as they usually are. So <laughs> so this whole thing started giving her like. A sense of worth and it started making her start to reconnect with her daughter in very small portions you know but right ken saw small that doses. as oh my god you know this is good i love this you know maybe and then ken started talking about in like interviews i thought maybe she was gay and that's why this was a maybe that's why she couldn't get you know making poor guy making excuses for her and Trying to, like, figure it out, you know, because he loved his daughter. He loves his daughter so much, and he doesn't understand why she can't get that way. So he was, you know, giving her the benefit of the doubt. Right, yes. Like, trying to understand at a time where, like, people were not understanding gay. Right. So, in all the things that I found, it's starting to say that she went to these clubs and hung out with this new group of friends, and she's gaining self-confidence. Literally, it fucking says on these documents, her weight just started to melt off. Bitch, you are oh, 400, yes. you're 450 pounds. So going from somebody that struggles from weight, and I know that you've struggled with it, so you can understand this too. So maybe you can help me out in this rant here. But like, you don't just fucking melt off weight, okay? Yes, when you're happy and you have these problems with eating too much, you aren't going to fucking eat as much. So that's great, you know? Um, but she didn't start like working out. It like it pains her that she's like should be this fucking self help guru. And bitch was not that. <laughs> she was not that. And I guarantee. Right. I don't know. It just you, it see it sounds like to me the pounds just started melting off because you have somebody that you want to impress now. Right. Right. Exactly. Like you give you have a self worth or something or a, a morsel of it. And they connected it so far with like, oh, well, she started dating these women. She started hanging out with these women. So now her pounds just starting melting off. And how shitty was she a mother? Why? It had nothing was said about like maybe she's actually loving the person she is or loving her daughter now. Like, you know, none of that positive thing was put in there. It was all Mm. misconstrued as like, oh, well, she's hanging out with these lesbians and they're just... You know, it's all witchcraft and fucking there. She's losing weight and love. It's just it's so fucking bizarre. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> it's 
So much drama, right? But, yes. but meanwhile, us out here, like who really struggle with that type of thing, we're like, um, can you at least bottle it and sell it so we know what the fuck to do? Because man, uh, I could take a couple. I mean, <laughs> I might, I might not right. sign up for a subscription, but I mean, I'll at least give a, a month trial. You know, let's see. <laughs> can we drop a couple here? You know. Anyways, mm-hmm. so going back to her work life. Um, so back at work, she's assigned a nurse's aide, Miss Gwendolyn Graham. Uh, and these two women just have a instantaneous like bond. They are just oh goodness, they are seeing fucking butterflies and rainbows. They are all about it. They just <laughs> love each other's company. This and that. I mean, it's just crazy. Oh sure. So Gwen's Leo ass is very fucking vocal about how she feels about Kathy. She is almost to the point where her coworker said she was pushy. Oh, but regardless, I don't like that. Yeah. Well, regardless. She keeps on trying. She keeps on, you know, saying, hey, you know, I'm into you, this and that. She's like, if it was the time, she'd be sliding in the DMs, you know, all that shit. Um, (laughs) She basically told, Gwen told all of her coworkers, which, mind you, she's not even through her 90 days at this point. And she's out here telling, like, all her coworkers she's trying to get, like, freaky in the sheets with her supervisor. Ooh, not good, Gwen. Not 90 good. days. Right. At least wait that 90-day period out. Come on. <laughs> right. Wait till you get some benefits or something. Shit. Right. And um, so Kathy isn't used to this. Obviously, we talked about she's got a lot of mental health stuff going on. But she was, like, really reluctant at first, but also enjoying the attention at the same time. And Gwen just, like, kept on and kept on. And eventually, they started to go to bars together. They started to hit up parties together. Um, They started to join in casual sex with other lesbians together. And they started being... Oh, that's it? (laughs) They started to uh, link up and go to swinger parties together. And by 1986, they were locked and fucking loaded, devoted to each other. Never could have found anybody else in the entire world that was better than the other one. Barf, but also mm. very dyke culture there. Barf. Um, <laughs> but from... Damn, that yeah, was quick. I, I mean, know. Yeah. Well, that's how they do it, man. Pack up that U-Haul second date. Uh, but <laughs> from the outside, their little ship they got going on was really fucking bizarre to all their coworkers. They started... Not only being like really weirdly inseparable, but like they took the whole professionalism out of their situation. They took it out of the whole, whole, I don't know, oh, everything. There's no, no fucking professionalism. You don't do that. Yeah, it was just really fucking weird. None of their coworkers liked it. It like made them. PDA? Oh, yeah. Not only that, but like they were pulling pranks on each other and trying to like, I don't know if they were like being flirty like but like moon phase right but it was really weird it's very like adolescent so then they started like p- playful yeah pulling pranks on not only like against each other but also their co-workers and they were like teaming up to do it they would hide under like the beds of the residents they would grab ankles of their resident and try to scare the fuck out of them they would hide in the showers the- before they were going to put the resident in the shower and I got a question. This is an Alzheimer's place. Uh, yeah. What the fuck are you doing? Literally like <laughs> the most well-respected one in the state of Michigan. I got a fucking request. I got, a, I got a fucking question. How are you not fucking busy at work? Don't you have fucking shit to do? Like, I realize right. you're the supervisor and that's your like direct like employee, whatever. But like, I have never worked a job where I had that much fucking time. <laughs> ever to like hide under beds (laughs) or or hide in showers or like i mean yeah everybody's i mean working third shift being the the head of night shift you know we pull pranks and whatever but it literally takes like 15 seconds out of the day and you laugh and you move on we aren't like hiding somewhere and like you know what i mean like this is too much this is like if you can lean you can clean alzheimer's facility i know (laughs) when these people need you like yes like, they don't even know what the fuck's going on most of the time, and you're doing this shit. Like, that is so the level of professionalism that I expect if I were to put my mom in a facility ain't fucking that. I'll tell right. you that right now. Exactly. If you want to be a goofball in like the pediatric ward, I'm cool with that because kids need a fucking laugh. And I understand that. But not at a place where you're taking care of the elderly and you guys are acting a goddamn fool. Like that upsets me, man. Not to mention your coworkers are literally there. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I've never worked in healthcare or anything like that. So I don't, 
like this is just my own opinion on the thing let alone they were had their coworkers getting residents ready for the shower so they're carrying them physically into the shower and these bitches are in there hiding in the fucking shower to scare these residents these residents first of all are vulnerable as fuck they don't have clothes on oh they're goodness. being carried by someone that is your coworker and oh, i just don't understand like I, wow. I don't get it. Not acceptable behavior. Fuck Anybody no. who works at a healthcare facility, that's a no. I know. And like I've don't always do that. I've always said like I have a higher respect for people that work in healthcare like this. Um because yes, I could never do, I do it. Too. And like like I said previously, mm-hmm. my friend growing up, like she But not these two. She's been an STNA like she still is. I mean, since the day she turned eighteen, this is what she wanted to work with. She worked with Alzheimer's. Like I've never heard remotely any morsel of this type of situation ever happening in, you know, the 20 years we were friends, like, ever. It's just sickening to me. But anyways. Yeah, no kidding. Like, um, so employees and friends of the pair noticed that with all these games also came a nasty part. So that they started to get super fucking possessive, super jealous, and especially Gwen. Oh. So if any person looked at Kathy with anything like friendship eyes, they batted at a fucking eyelash or Gwen went fucking basically crazy. And I hate using that word, but like she oh. basically went psychotic and got in her face, like in the person's that was not Kathy, their face, like shoved them against walls, like became physical with them. Like, oh, that's my bitch. Don't touch that. that is- you know? Oh, no, honey, that is not acceptable either. Which also pegs me as, like, Scorpio moon, Scorpio placements, uh, you know, along with that Leo. (laughs) But like I said, I didn't find that out for fact. But so this eventually trickled into the parties and the outings and the uh, things that they were, you know, obviously, if they're getting... You would expect that. If they're getting like that at work, it's clearly going to get extra crazy when they're drinking or, you know, in their extracurriculars. To the point yes, where it definitely Gwen got physically combative with Kathy and grabbed her by her hair, by her ponytail, uh, and threw her into a, a bedroom in an extremely violent manner. Was the uh, court documents uh, verbiage? Oh, uh, but this also was a party that they were hosting together. So this left all the party guests wondering, like, uh, do I stay or do I leave? <sighs> it's like that is awkward as fuck. Uh, and forgive me for this, but it's kind of like daddy just hit mommy during dinner. Uh, do we keep eating or like, uh, right. do, what, what do we do? Cause my appetite's gone. Like, I don't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> Seriously. That is literally the deer in headlights. Look, you're like, uh, do we stay here or do I cross the street? Like, and, what the f- and, that's so, and mommy's no. like, it's fine. It's fine. You guys, you, my sweet morsels. You just, you just keep on eating. Everything's good. Mommy's good. She's like, like, Oh, God. You know, but still. Um, So as the violence escalated, so did the intensity of the pranks that they were doing. It was almost like their, like, anger was going through in their pranks. It was like their whole drama was just flooding out uncontrollably in their workspace. So the pranks turned into dares, and the dares turned into an evil plot of murder. What the fuck? Right. So later in multiple interviews, both claim that the murders were done in attempt to, quote unquote, keep them together and bind them secretly at the same time, quote unquote. So this binding uh, game that we're going to go into, if you oh, will. Jeez, it's a game. It's a, oh, it's, it's all a game for them. Uh, this binding game. Oh, they're terrible people. Yes. Oh, 100%. Um. <sighs> And that's all their verbiage, not mine. This is literally from their quotes, like this binding game, you know, all that fun stuff. The game, the, the term game also. Uh, Cute. Not. That is what's going to bring us to the case we all know today, this binding game. Okay. So the pair felt mm-hmm. it would be cute as fuck to just start murdering people because then like... They would have a thing where you can't go to the cops against me because I'm also involved in this and that. And it would just draw us together. And we have this bond that nobody else has. Yeah. Gross. Oh, no. But. It's not a good game. But it also came to fruition as they were playing Scrabble while while on third shift waiting for their 
uh, residents while they were sleeping. And they said, wouldn't it be cute if we just like spelled murder with the initials of the people that we take their life? So that was a cool thing <sighs> until they looked at the, the list of the names of their current residents and realized eh, spelling murder wasn't really going to happen because we don't have the adequate letters. Um, Oh, good. So Gwen, Thank su- God for that. Gwen suggests, fuck it, let's just kill it random. I love this game for us. Let's just do this. We're just going to do it in our own way. Which What? Which, wow. it, honestly, in my eyes, is even more fucked up because, like, it pisses yeah, me no off shit. that it's like, okay, we got these rules for these games. We got our players. We got this all. The cards are dealt out. Now we're sitting here, and now you don't like the fucking rules, so we got to change them. Like... <laughs> this isn't fucking asshole motherfuckers this isn't a drinking game there's no house rules there's n- you can't just like fuck off and change the rules whenever you want to none of us are drunk and none of us are two years old like come on like it, it just pisses oh, me man. off <sighs> but back on track with <laughs> this whole thing is I know this I whole know. thing is wild I know but back on track so they thought okay well you know whatever quote unquote rules are in place uh we're going to start writing love poems and love letters to each other while we're at work. Little, like, you know, things we can keep in our pocket for later. But at the end of all these love manifestos, it always says, I love you forever and X days. So this is supposed to be their cryptic way of saying, like, the the X in the the letter is supposed to denounce, like, how many bodies, they confirmed kills they have. Okay. So. Oh, my God. Right. So they literally called this their own murder game that they made up themselves. They're not the fucking brightest crayons in the box, as we already know. No. So. Absolutely not. So, but they did have time to pen to paper some actual rules that they weren't going to, you know, come back and say, oh, no, house rules overrides this. So here's their house rules. Or their, um, I'm sorry, not house rules. Their actual rules. Kathy is a lookout. She because she's obviously the supervisor. She's going to make sure no nurses, patients, visitors, anyone are around outside of the room of where the murder is going to take place. And rule number two, Gwen is going to be the enforcer, obviously, because, you know, Leo and all that. She wanted to do this. (laughs) She was going to go into the room of these elderly women, which also a big fuck you, Gwen, like and and Kathy. They I mean, you guys are all about this big dyke energy, but you're going after women? Like, what the fuck? Uh, what the fuck? Not. Right. So she's going to go after elderly women and attack them by smothering them with a pillow. Okay? That's, their, Aww, that's, that's all their rules. No. Yes. But this didn't go as planned because uh, mm. Gwen fucked up not once, but multiple times uh, due to the fact that these women may be going through Alzheimer's, but some of them are fucking strong. And they aren't here for your bullshit, man. So they fought back. And good for them. Oh, nice. Good for them. So then again, these fucking asshats went again to change the rules of the game again. And decided to only choose women who were women still again. uh, We're at were like deemed advanced Alzheimer's condition, which led. Oh, uh, they wanted to go after the ones that literally couldn't fight back. Which is even more sick. That's horrifying. Which is absolutely horrifying. It really is. And that's what led them to uh, the case I mentioned earlier of um, Marguerite Chambers. Now, they've attempted three times to take out Marguerite Chambers. And she's failed three times in a row. So they deemed her as weak. And she's not a weak bitch. She's a bad bitch. She's like, no, no, no. This is not fucking happening. But the anger from those three, you know, mishaps, whatever, on Gwen's part from getting to the next level of her game got her so enthralled that she finally was able to achieve her confirmed kill that she wanted to do. Um, But because this was a facility that warded and took care of the vulnerable, the incapacitated, the ill, you know, the elderly. Unfortunately, must much like um, a lot of facilities that do that, they don't perform autopsies. 
So her death was, really? yeah, which I didn't know that was a thing, but it's definitely a thing, which makes me even more sickened. Um, so Marguerite's death was, oh, that's horrible, was deemed as death from natural causes. <gasps> so, uh, what a stab in the fucking chest, right? Like, I can't even. I w- that makes me not want to put any of my family members in a home because I'm going to find out what the fuck happened. You're going to do whatever I tell you to do. Exactly. Of course, these crimes um, draw them even more closely together and they Ugh, start sick. to get really intertwined in ways they weren't intertwined before. Um which I also might fucking oh, add. Sure. This is not a healthy relationship, sis. You're not doing this fucking right. Like, not at all. Clearly not. Uh, but both dames, they still to this day in interviews talk about how much each murder sexually spiked them and embodied yeah. their connection. This, expi- this excitement of possibly getting caught and the power of being the utmost strength about over someone that had no strength at all was like fucking oh. rocket fuel to the couple. Oh, man. They are sick and twisted. Each body count made their dicks grow even bigger as well as their arousal. And <sighs> they talk about it at oh, length, geez. and it is fucking sickening. Whoa, <sighs> man. That makes me like... Yeah. Like, I can't even... I cannot even imagine taking somebody's life that you were put in charge of taking care of. I know. It's it's fucking disgusting. The m- just c- cannot. And the more that I found out, like, in my research, uh, I found that, like, Gwen definitely brought that fucking, like, Leo top energy, and Kathy was just like, oh, my God, mm. I'm loving this Captain Save-A-Ho mentality that Gwen had. Typical fucking Pisces, Kathy. Typical fucking Pisces. You're wanting someone to want to do the fucking dishes, and she was wanting to do the dishes (laughs) for you. Yeah, I. I mean, I want you to want want to do the dishes. dishes. (laughs) I mean, but that's that's the best way I can describe a Pisces. That's Pisces energy. They want you to want to do that, and if you you know, I mean, that's. 100% 100% Pisces in her. And I've also asked like mm-hmm. seven Pisces recently about that, and they all said that that's truth. So there's that. Um, all right. So uh, as many serial murderers go along, they start to think they need fucking trophies. So they start to take some trophies. Oh. So, Uh of course, they stole, like, jewelry or things of, like, monetary value out of the residence rooms. And then old Gwendolyn decides that we're going to start taking fucking dentures, too, because dentures are dope. This is the bitch Ugh. that put her dog's teeth in a in a thing, a heart-shaped box. Uh, she's got a thing for fucking teeth. Yeah. Which reminds us of our friend that was, like, kept looking up the teeth on wood. I just can't. I'm not going to. Oh, yeah, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. But we're, we're shouting out to you, bro. We, <laughs> we're, that's an homage to you right there. <laughs> I'm not going to name you. I won't do that to you. Um, but uh, if you know, you know. <laughs> uh, God, this threw me off. But <laughs> so basically they're taking things and they're displaying them in their house that they are living in together because they, of course, you halt. They oh, they, yeah, they aren't sure. officially living together, but they're like residing at Gwen's house because you know that's what dykes do. They just move themselves. Yeah, in. I cleared out a drawer for you, and then that yeah. turned into like now you have my whole pantry and the, yeah, the whole thing. So <laughs> they're displaying all their mementos at Gwen's house, and it's a thing. And they're also like still hosting parties over there, you know, even though oh stupid, and they're starting to talk about these things that are there, you know, in their drunken stupors, which we'll get into shortly. Uh, but back at work, like this whole excitement is just like really overtaking them. The whole like, oh my god, we might get caught. Oh my god, this is going to happen. This we're actually getting away with this. Blah blah blah. Um, we've been getting away with this yeah. for months. You know, it's like. Oh, we're also connected. We found our fire in our relation. I mean, there's a lot of shit going on, a lot to unpack here. Right. But it was to the point that their arousal was not able to be contained at work anymore. So now they weren't going home and fucking. Now they're fucking all over the fucking 
the bedroom. The facility. The facility in a hole. They're also like fucking in the bedroom of where they commit the murders and the showers. Like it's to the <gasps> point where they can't even leave the room. They're so aroused they have to fuck right now. It's, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> These broads are psychopaths. Yes. That's, that's Abs- what that is. Absolutely. So eventually, you know, they're coasting through this lifestyle here. And Gwen eventually asks Kathy, hey, we got to switch it up. Let's make this more of like, I'm tired of being the top. You're tired of being the bottom. Let's let's throw some verse in there. That's another gay thing there for you guys. Um, But Kathy's like, (laughs) no, no, no. I prefer to be a power bottom. I told you coming into this, I'm a power bottom, a.k.a. She's not committing none of these murders. She's just the lookout bitch. Right. So this this like sheds tons of gay panic onto Gwen. And she's pissed off. She's like, well, what the hell? You know, I want to be topped too. And Kathy's like, no, no, no. And Kathy's like, you know, this is just like really overpowering for me. And I feel like you're a little obsessed with me. So she starts (gasps) fucking one of their mutual friends um, that also (sighs) works at the same facility. Smart. Um, Yeah. You know how well that goes. Right. Exactly. So they... uh, Still continue with their quote-unquote game, though, at this point. But obviously, it's starting to get bad. It starts to get bad to the point where, like, Gwen starts stalking Kathy and saying, like, you know, being obsessive. Like, what the fuck? I thought we were great. And then they decide to get drunk one night. And Kathy decides to drunkenly call her ex-husband, Ken. And word vomits everything everything oh no all the murders all and it started off like i'm just bitching about this new girlfriend i have and i just really want to break up with her and i don't know how and i'm seeking you know i want you to want to do my dishes and i don't want her to do my dishes anymore <laughs> type thing but it ends up telling him everything right. and of course he is a good dude and he's like yeah you know i'm gonna still listen and take notes but i'm calling the fucking cops bitch which he did yeah Oh, good. Thank God for Ken. Yes, I love Ken in this episode. Um, (laughs) But, you know, the bitches got called in. And, of course, you know, they're throwing blame on back and forth on each other. They're like, it's a shitty breakup. I mean, we all know that song and dance. It's like, it's her fault. It's her fault, you know. So going forward to the trial, Kathy ended up bitching herself up the right side of a plea bargain. And uh, (laughs) she... Yeah, you know, I mean, she really embodied her bottom energy and really just, you know, took it from the man and and did what they wanted her to do. Uh, Meanwhile, Gwen uh, claimed she was innocent as fuck the whole time. She doesn't even know where the fuck this is coming from. She goes, my ex is just crazy. I don't know what the hell you want me to do. Uh, Okay. Which fucking worked out for her. She also claimed oh. that Kathy played terrible mind games on her and she bawled on stand and said, you know what? She even told me she was gay and she wasn't gay. Meanwhile, she's talking to her ex-husband and she really, really hurt my <gasps> mental health. And if you guys don't remember, what? I was diagnosed with these problems when I was a kid and this just really ruined my life. <sighs> it's crazy. Kathy only pretended that that she was gay. She only tried to do this and it hurt me so bad. And I don't know why she would do this, but I'm just, she wanted an excuse to get back with her ex. That was a guy and blah, blah, blah. And then she slept with somebody. I mean, I'm telling you. Yes. But the prosecution, as they do, decides to flip the fucking script and calls in Gwen's new love girlfriend, whatever the fuck you want to call her. Her new salty morsel, and this bitch fucking squawks every bit of information that Gwen has ever said to her, which also Gwen just decided to, she was hurt enough to where she liked to take a couple shots of tequila and decides to tell everybody everything, including her new, you know, partner. Wow. Which also gave... You keep keep that to yourself. In dire need of... I mean... uh, Well, they gave her... Re- the the new Gwen's new girlfriend uh basically painted a Bob Ross fucking picture because that's how many facts she had of the five confirmed kills that the couple did together. On November third in nineteen eighty nine, Gwen was found guilty 
and she was given five life sentences in the state of Michigan and one count of yes. conspiracy to commit murder. That was for the one that she tried but failed, which her fam- like the family came out and went against her. Oh, good. Gwen is currently housed at Women's Huron Valley Correctional Facility in Michigan. So since this case happened, many books, interviews, articles, uh, manifestos, things like that have all been showcased um, about the back and forth drama between the two ladies. Um, For example, the book Forever in Five Days, which was a document that was direct testimony from Gwen's little uh, salty morsel at the end uh, that got her convicted. This book was written. um, It was by written by Lowell Kaufel. C-A-U-F-F-E-L. I, I probably fucked that up. But um, it was okay. like a ghostwriter to Gwen's ex telling the whole story, oh. basically. All right. But in all publications, Gwen is portrayed as the, this is a quote, seductive pathological liar, criminal mastermind of the whole thing. End quote. Ooh. So, of course, while she's behind bars, Gwen... um. She underwent multiple psychological evaluations, as most criminals do. And they all revealed that Gwen, although she had, uh, she still has borderline, even as an adult, even though she was diagnosed as a child, um, but that Mm -hmm. she could be easily manipulated and she lacked the sophistication to plan these murders on her own. Um, That she she required help. So. Yeah. We're going to take that along with the multiple families that have sued Alpine Manor for the dangerous, unbalanced employees that they had for their, the care of their <laughs> family members. Um, yeah. And that is what's going to bring old Kathy to court. But Alpine also since has been, I, I feel like it needs to be mentioned, it's been um, put out of business. And the building has now been bought by, tell me this isn't Midwestern fucking culture, a fucking church and turned into the the sanctuary of St. Mary's. I didn't look into what they're doing there, but I probably, it's probably not good. (laughs) Um, So Gwen uh, obviously was thrown in jail too, because even though she's not the mastermind, she's a little helper, you know? But after, they obviously wanted to separate the two. So she was thrown in prison in Florida, which if you guys listen to small town murder, they always throw the fucking asshats to Florida. I don't know why. I feel like we should find (laughs) that out. But um, they're hoping for a sinkhole. I know. Right. Exactly. So (laughs) after 33 years, a 57 year old Kathy Wood walked free in 2020 from her incarceration and she was granted full parole. And she now resides in Tallahassee, Mm. Florida, by herself. I wanted to end this novella by saying the names of the victims. So the victims are May Mason, 79, Edith Cole, 89, Marguerite Chambers, as we spoke about, age 60, Myrtle Luce, 95, and Belle Burkard, 74. Because... Dang. They're fucking important. And I try. They are. Yeah. So we stand for them. We're here for them. And also Ken. Fuck yeah, Ken. We love Ken. Hell yeah. Yes. Thank you for that. Because he's. No one just sits and listens to that and goes, yep, that sounds about right. Like you're obviously going to court at least. At the very least. And he's just like, bitch, I don't want to do your dishes anymore. It's, it's fucking 2020. No. Go get yourself a goddamn dishwasher. Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, that was so crazy. Yeah. I can't even believe that. Five people, too. That's terrible. Yep. So those are the lethal lovers of the Midwest. The lethal lovers. Yeah. You always got to double, triple, quadruple check those places. Always. There's always something. But you know what? I I want to leave you with a little bit of news or business or whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, this month, we're going to be at Fort Wayne Pride. Yes. Woo, Fort Wayne Pride. Yeah. July 22nd and 23rd, 2022. At Headwaters Park in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We um, 
we were there as our previous podcast last year. They invited us back. Boom, we're a new podcast. And we're going to be there. We're going to be selling our merchandise. Obviously, you come and talk to us. We're really awkward, but we're kind of fun. And we're also going to be doing a contest, a giveaway, if you will. And the rules will be on um, our socials and everything. But it is in person only. So you have to be there or be square. And then our... Second order of business is we are testing out a new podcast website. So we still do have the link tree and we still will use the link tree, but we are testing out pod page, not, not spawn, you know, we're not sponsored or anything, but we're checking out pod page and it is, it's been great so far. It auto posts for us and it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. (laughs) She who is running all the socials is in love with this little like break time here with that. Oh my God. It's, it's been fantastic. And it, it's saved up a lot of free time for us to post the episode since Facebook for some reason took the podcast tab off. But, um, Speaking of Facebook, we have merch, and merch is available for purchase. We have some more that I have not taken a picture of yet, but I will post it up there pretty soon this week or next. And yeah, we're just going to leave you with the code of the Midwest, right? We always do that. Yeah. (laughs) Always make sure you support women's rights. And don't forget that passion and lust is a dangerous thing. Lock your fucking doors. And also, like we said last time, don't fuck people at work. (laughs) Yes. And we'll see you next Tuesday. (laughs) 